This is The Rounds Table. Welcome back, Rounds Table listeners. This is one of your hosts, John Freilich. Uh, today I'm joined by my brother, Mike Freilich. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently, though, because hot off the press from a New England Journal of Medicine evidence is the detection of COVID 19 outbreaks using built environment testing for SARS CoV 2, and it's published by Mike. So, first of all, congratulations to you and your team on the publication. Yeah, thanks, John. Appreciate it. And nice to uh, chat about the article. So, you know, we've come to be familiar with wastewater data for population level surveillance, but here your team had a different approach to monitoring COVID-19 in long-term care facilities. I guess first, you know, why is surveillance important for COVID-19, especially amongst adults in long-term care? Yeah, I think we've seen uh, obviously the sort of um, mortality and morbidity that uh, COVID-19 outbreaks cause in long-term care homes. Um, So the premise was is there any way that we could potentially reduce that? Um, And the sort of innovative approach here was swabbing the floors. Uh, So it was a cool project to be a part of. And up front, I should note, a very large team. So ID doctors, um, PEDS ID doctors, uh, experts in biology, evolutionary biology, computer science, uh, you name it. So it was a very fun team to work with. And so you already kind of alluded to it. So instead of wastewater data, your team is measuring COVID from the floor. Take us through this. Um, What are you swabbing and how are you monitoring things? Yeah, so you're right that wastewater surveillance, I think most people are pretty familiar with it. So the idea is that um, when we're sick, uh, we shed the virus in our feces and that feces can be recovered through wastewater to know uh, how much COVID-19 might be circulating in a given region or area. It's fascinating, it's really cool, but it lacks spatial resolution. Like, I don't want to know this region has lots of COVID. I want to know like where in this region, in my building, okay, in this hospital. Um, So a very similar premise, but rather than, you know, um, processing SARS-CoV-2 from the feces, we swab the floor, right? Our tagline is simple. Why swab feces when you can swab the floor? (laughs) And the premise and the idea is that when somebody is uh, infected, they might be minimally symptomatic or asymptomatic. Um, And what happens is, of course, we breathe the virus out. It circulates for a bit, but it's got to fall somewhere. And predominantly, it falls to the floor. So then the next step is just the question of, huh, is there any chance you can detect it on the floor before an outbreak has occurred? Okay. And so what were the outcomes that you guys were focused on? Yeah. So this was a 14 month study. And uh, what we wanted to measure was how did what you find on the floor correlate with human level cases and outbreaks within a long-term care home? And as outbreaks got worse, did you find more and more of the virus on the floor? As outbreaks improved, did you find less virus on the floor? So those were some of the main outcomes. And we performed this study over a 14-month period in Toronto, Ottawa, and of course, uh, Sault Ste. Marie. So 10 long-term care homes in total. And just under 5,000 swabs were performed. Now, uh, take us through the results. Was swabbing the floor an effective way to predict or detect an outbreak? 
Yeah, so during our study, uh, there were 23 outbreaks that had occurred. Um, you know, the median size of the outbreak was uh, 30 uh, individuals. So these were pretty large um, outbreaks that occurred. Uh, so when there was an outbreak, uh, 54% of the swabs came back positive for SARS-CoV-2. And then in non-outbreak periods, about 20% um, came back positive. Um, other metrics to think about is sort of the accuracy or as we call it in science speak, that the AUC, okay? So how well can a floor swab discriminate between an active outbreak versus no uh, active outbreak? So uh, that was about 84%, which is you know quite good. And then we also observed that in the vast majority of these outbreaks, you could detect rising floor samples for SARS-CoV-2 days and sometimes weeks before an outbreak was recognized and called. Because keep in mind that you have to test individuals, of course, if you're going to call an outbreak. And the individual long-term care home is then reporting that information to public health. Uh, public health then needs to gather this information and decide, is there an outbreak? Isn't there an outbreak? And this is much more of an art than a science, and there's a lot of subjectivity to it. But there's total objectivity uh, in terms of what's coming off of the floor. So I thought that was quite cool. That is really interesting. And so like, I don't know, what do you think? Like, is there an ability to create like an outbreak alarm? Like, as swab results increase, can you sort of say, hey, now it's outbreak time or get ready? I think so, right? Like um, these results were robust across 10 long-term care homes, uh, over 20 outbreaks. I think the crucial question is, if you implement this, okay, so if you implement this and you give the end user the data, does that actually lead to a reduction in outbreak size? Or are you just having a lot of false alarms? So that work is still to be done. Uh, we've applied for a CIHR grant. This is the third time um, to, to answer this exact question. So hopefully we will soon uh, know if we got the funding um, and then it'll take some time and some work. But in that study, what we're gonna do is we'll have 10 homes where we're actively swabbing the floor and then 30 homes where we're not to try to answer that question. Um, you know, if you have this information and if you act on it, does it actually improve the endpoints we care about? Okay, great. Um, and similarly, you may have addressed this a little bit, but were the floor swabs helpful to also give a signal when the outbreak might be ending so that you kind of get ready to go back to normal, if you will? Yeah, so that was the other sort of cool thing is that um, as the outbreak was improving, you could see the percentage of floor swabs coming back from um, SARS-CoV-2, um, it would fall. Um, so that would suggest the outbreak was improving. And it was really fascinating to see certain homes where the outbreak was called over, all right? So there's no new cases, presumably the outbreak's over. And then we could see the floor positivity rising high, higher and higher. And then a week would pass and then it'd be like, oh, we're back in outbreak kind of thing. So in our study, the homes were completely blinded to the results. And we did that purposefully so that they didn't act on it. And then that could influence whether or not it works. So we had this sort of two to three week blinding period where we didn't even know the floor swab result. So, so that was quite interesting. And I think one aspect is, can you prevent an outbreak? Another aspect is can you monitor? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? And I guess the other point is that it provides spatial resolution. So let's say you're in a six-story long-term care home, and on the fifth floor, 
the swabs are coming back positive for SARS-CoV-2, okay? Like 100% are coming back positive, but on the second floor, the third floor, the fourth floor, and whichever other floor I haven't said yet, there's no SARS-CoV-2 on the floor. Um, that gives you much greater spatial resolution so that you can focus on that one area of the home rather than saying, oh shoot, the outbreak is the entire home and therefore we should stop social um, gatherings among residents or um, you know change our visitor policy. Yeah, that's really fascinating because I mean, other things too, I mean, not only just for the people living in the long-term care facility, but from like a healthcare services perspective, if you don't have to shut the entire long-term care down for transport, you know, getting patients out of the hospital to long-term care, um, that's really a big deal. Very cool. Um, so what's next for you guys? You mentioned one aspect of uh, some future research, hopefully CIHR is listening and they can uh, chip in, but any other projects that you guys are going to do based on this data, like other viruses, other infections or what? Yeah. So we've developed a multiplex. Uh, what that means is with one single swab, we can now test for RSV, influenza A, influenza B, and SARS-CoV-2. So I think that'll be really interesting. Um, we're doing some of the work to validate that multiplex, and it looks you know, preliminary, like it will be uh, pretty impressive. We've also started swabbing uh, in an airport, and the goal with swabbing the airport is to understand um, not how many swabs are positive, but instead to then sequence the virus and know what variants are starting to rise or fall um, within an airport setting. So, so we have that on the go, and then we're also swabbing in libraries, hospitals, um, really to give some sort of surveillance work to understand what are the rates in the community and in different communities. And, and I guess the last point, which is almost like a, a case series uh, that we're doing, is when an individual hospital has an outbreak, uh, so at Sinai, for example, we then swap the floors. And then when the outbreak is over, we try to see, um, does the virus continue to fall? Because uh, in one case, it looks like the amount of virus started to rise. The outbreak itself um, wasn't recalled because it didn't seem like there were human level cases. Um, so I think that'll be exciting to see, could this potentially have the role, um, a role, an adjunctive role uh, in the hospital, but far too soon to say. Uh, but I hope that that sort of case report will be out in a couple months. Well, again, congratulations to you and your group. It's very interesting, cool research, and I think it's going to actually make a big difference. So uh Great job. Yes, if the funding gods smile upon us, then we, we, we might be able to know if it'll actually improve outcomes. But, oh, God, I mean, I love being a clinician scientist, but I, I do not like applying for grants. So uh, that, that, that is the, the major question. Will we get some money? Uh, but, yes, stay tuned. And thanks, John, for uh, allowing me to twist your arm and get you to interview me for this uh <laughs> This article. You know published. what? It, I actually suggested it. So, uh, yeah, this is all on me, not on you. No problem. <laughs> all right. Thanks, John. Take care. Okay. Talk to you later, Mike. The Rounds Table is hosted online at healthydebate.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Rounds Table. Thanks to our audio editors, Emilio Garcia Flores and Arjun Sharma. Also, thanks to Amol Verma, founder of The Rounds Table, and Kieran Quinn, the previous director. We'd also like to give a big thanks to Seema Marwaha, Editor-in-Chief at Healthy Debate, for all the support.